Welcome to Stockholm Food Movement Podcast, part of Sweden in Transition podcast series. In a world in need of urgent reinvention, they decided to do things differently and explain why. I am Sonia Lehmann and today I'm very pleased to meet Elina ronson Bays. Elina is the co-founder and CEO of Food Loops, a digital marketplace for surplus food and food waste B2B. It helps companies reduce waste and excess food, whilst other companies or organizations can take advantage of someone else's waste. Hi, Elin. Welcome. Thank you. Can you tell us how you came to create Food Loops? Well, it's basically two stories. One is the long version, where I was in team with two others to create a similar company. And that was back in 2011. Uh, but we were all working on full-time jobs. And it wasn't as easy to manage a company just on the side. So basically that idea just died, went to sand. And I was then currently working at the food company where I learned more about food waste behind the scenes, behind consumers, what value it has, what quantities it can be, and what situations food waste can occur. And I felt that if I didn't do something about this, knowing what I know, I would regret it not going all in. So I decided to uh, make a new shot in another constellation of people and uh, created Food Loops to reduce food waste and help our customers to find opportunities with stuff they now waste. Can you share with us the big picture about uh, waste in general and in Sweden? Waste is one of the top three most important issues that we need to deal with. And it's a complex question It's not something that is easily managed uh, or changed. We have food waste in our system because the system is what it is. So we are constantly generating more and more food waste for various reasons. And it's not only in Sweden, it's not only in Europe, and it, it's, it's a global fact, and it doesn't matter if you're a developed country or not. Food waste accounts for one-third of what is produced. Yeah. And I have in mind that it's one third at the agricultural stage and then one third during retail and transport and then one third at home. Is that what you have in mind? Yeah, basically. It's hard to find data just for Sweden. But if you look at the bigger picture and look at food waste on an European level, we can see that most of the food waste occurs before retail. So it's really not the consumer end where we generate the most food waste. It's behind the scenes. And that's what I want to do something about. Can you tell us how it works then, food loops and the marketplace? Well, it's, <laughs> it's easy and it's complicated. What we do is we get questions from companies with surplus food, food waste, which they either want to donate or sell. And then we take all the information and the demands regarding this batch of food and try to match it with a, a good match on the other side. So when you have a hundred tons of onions, yeah, that's, that's one challenge. Uh, but then you can have five pallets of beverage with a certain demand that it's one type of actor who can receive it. So it's quite complicated to do a good job for both type of customers because we have one customer on the selling or donating side, and then we have another one at the receiving or buying side. Can you describe who are the actors on the selling side and who are the actors on the buying side? On the selling side, it could be farmers, it could be wholesalers, brand owners, 
for example, and on the other side, it's mostly uh, hotels, cafes, restaurants, large kitchens. It could be events, and and sometimes also producers that can use the food waste in their products. Do you have a nice loop to tell us? Oh, we have we have many loops. I mean, one of the first ones, first missions we got was uh, snails. And I don't know, France, maybe snails is very uh, easy and a normal product, but in Sweden, it's more of a challenge. And I thought that that was an impossible mission. Uh, so I was laughing. But finally, we managed to, to loop it to a fantastic restaurant called Soupchöket. Uh, but it was a bit too much for them. So they finally looped it further to another company, Matsmart, who then sold it to consumers. So this was a, a super looped product, but it all ended up in someone's on someone's plate. So that was fantastic. Uh, and now we're about to loop quite a lot of beverage for a, a small Swedish company that works with uh, an Apple product. And it's just short due dates. There's nothing wrong with the product, but it's quite hard to sell the normal, normal ways. So we're trying to divide this large batch to, to various uh, companies and organizations and events. What do you think are the roots of the problem? Well, there's a few things that drive food waste that I see anyway. And we've learned that companies doesn't want to cannibalize on their own market. So, if they have the chance to sell a product to full price, they would rather do that than to sell the same product to half price maybe or even less with a short due date because then they're missing out on the larger deal with a full price. So that's one of uh, the drivers for, for waste. And also in our part of the world, it's very important with brand and what the promise to the market is. So... Many companies, no matter what kind of price level they have, they always want to say, we always serve best quality. This means that the products who doesn't match the standards of top quality, they are not a natural product on the market for them. Makes me think about a big campaign we had in France called Ugly Fruit. Yeah, I've heard about it. The standards are not about the product and the nutritional content of the product. It's about the way it looks. Yeah, and exactly. The image. There's also consumer behavior that sort of drives food companies to just buy the perfect stuff because mm. that's what we pick in the store. The question is, it's chicken and egg. Mm. If the retail retailer don't dare commercialize products that don't look very pretty, mm -hmm. then it's not educating consumers either. Exactly. So I think we need to change this. And I think with communication, you can do a lot of stuff. We have done some projects explaining multi-legged carrots to a consumer. So we know it's possible, but you need to communicate. You can't just put ugly fruit in the box and say, go ahead. But if you explain why and the reason for maybe not having a discount on the ugly fruit in the store. I think consumers are more likely to understand that there's a reason for it. Yes, you need to support the change, yeah. educate around it. Exactly. Each time it's a new investigation or do you have big uh, contact lists? I would say the, the greatest value we have, that's, the, that's our list, our loop list with companies and actors 
who have said that they're willing to buy or receive donations. And the larger that list is, the more efficient our process will be. So our main goal is to get more companies to connect to our service and become a member company, because then we can make the, the process more efficient for the companies with the surplus food and be able to find those perfect matches on the market. Because basically the marketplace, it's a tool, a device on the yeah. internet that makes people see what's available or post what they have to donate or sell. So how many people do you have connected at the moment? At the moment, we have about 145 companies and it ranges from large, well-known companies to small actors, one-man shows, charity organizations, churches, animal keepers, and so on. So we try to, to have a wide range of, of member companies to, to be able to match each case the best we can. So we want the whole of Food Sweden to be connected and be on our list because then we can make a great impact. What would Food Loops do in 10 years' time? To be a natural thing for companies. It shouldn't be so hard to imagine having these kind of services as you have IT help or you have any other help in your company where you, where you don't have the expertise yourself. It needs to be um, not as challenging in the future. So I hope there will be many Food Loops companies around to help all actors to reduce their waste. Should um, be common practice. Exactly. And if you don't have the time yourself in your own organization to take care of it, then you should uh, use someone else. Liv Medor Beckett, which is the Swedish food agency, has launched More to Do More, mm -hmm. an action plan to reduce food waste. Yeah. Are you in relation with them? Has it helped? Well, we don't have any specific contact with them other than regular meetups every year. But I do think it helps because it puts the question higher up at the company levels as well. Any actors or if it's government or if it's companies or startups that go together to, to lift the question, of course it helps. And then there are, as you say, a lot of programs for startups, not specifically for food waste, but for, for young entrepreneurs, for companies who want to work with sustainability, for example. There are help for persons who want to go about and start their own business. And do you think the Swedish ecosystem is particularly active? I would say so. It's not only a focus in Stockholm, but you see also things happening in Lund, in Göteborg and other areas as well. So, But I think in Stockholm it's quite active. We often take Sweden as an example on sustainability. Mm -hmm. What are the topics you think Sweden is really ahead of the game and other topics where Sweden is not so good? Uh, I know that England is quite far ahead uh, working with these questions and also Norway and France have also developed laws against throwing away food. Uh, so I think Sweden are ahead, but I don't think they're everywhere and doing everything we can at the moment. Up to 80% of the food is imported. Food independence is the priority. Do you feel that can be also an explanation? Yeah, I think it goes together. If you have X amount of farmers in Sweden, which have, as you said, about 30% waste, and that's not unedible vegetables and fruit. It's just not pretty vegetables and fruit. We have the capacity to just say that tomorrow we will buy all the ugly 
fruit and veg, and by that increase our our self sustainability in producing food by thirty percent mm. overnight. So, but I think it's it's slow processes, and if you talk about the public sector, which which have a large possibility to make an impact, they can just change their contracts. For example, write that we can buy X amount of tons of class two or class three or uglies or, and by that getting more of the products already produced in Sweden into our food system. So there's a lot of power, uh, and I think it goes together. I mean, food waste and raising our self-sufficiency in with quite a lot. I mean, 30% is not, not a little. Mm. And that's done without having to water any more land, to crop any more land, to fertilize, use more resources to produce the food. The food is already produced. You just need to get it into the system. It's also a way for farmers to earn their life. Better. Exactly, exactly. Because that's another question. Then companies need to realize that someone is putting their life into making these products and they have to be paid for it unless we won't have any farmers left who wants to sort of continue the, the tedious work of producing our food. Of course, that kind of ugly food, just as nutritious, just as edible, we can't just think that these prices need to be cut to, to, to a minimum because it's still good food and farmers need to survive. And do you feel this lobbying or this influencing is part of your mandate? I, I think lobbying, trying to change processes, it's part of what we do. I mean, it's not where we earn money, but we need to, to do that as well and to influence and, and to help companies realize the benefits on both sides of the loop. Some companies use marketing budget to explain that they are looping in or out of their organization. So we see that some actors actually see more than just getting food on the table. And mm. uh, they see it as an opportunity to tell a story, to tell what they are doing differently to competitors or... Yes, yeah. and enhance their reputation. Exactly. In their attractivity. More and more people are aware and more and more people demand that companies that they work for, act responsibly. It's a matter also to attract the right type of people and to be able to keep them because no one wants to work for a company they can't be proud of anymore. What would you say to those people who are doing their job but don't find it meaningful and, and would like to change or make a difference? Just do it. <laughs> I think at least try. And of course, try with the means you have. If you have time or if you have money or if you're out of a job uh, temporarily, uh, just go for it. Try to, to connect to other startups or people you like or companies you met and try to form a case around your idea and just try it. Because life is too short to, to just say later or another year. And I mean, everyone is aware that we need to work harder on all areas within sustainability. So if you have an idea, go for it. I'd like to open up a little bit our discussion about maybe circular economy. Absolutely. Circular economy is part of what we do because we're also working on food waste related projects 
in cooperations with others. So we are now starting a circular project with a, uh, a coffee producer. Together with them, we're going to collect all their production waste and make a new coffee product out of it. So, and we're also working together with the wine importer and Örebro Universitet, where we uh, have found a process and communication to uh, give wine that is risking to become wasted, that's second chance. So we are working on different kinds of projects related to circular economy and trying to get food or side products to become a product or get in get it into the system again. I think Sweden is very well equipped in terms of how to manage biomass. Is that also part of the problem because we need to to feed these uh, infrastructures? Sometimes when I speak to companies and try to explain what we do and what we want to achieve, they can tell me that we don't have any food waste. Then I can ask, wow, that's fantastic. How did you manage that? Because then we can sort of tell other companies and as a good example. And then they go and say, well, it, it goes to biogas, so we don't have any food waste. So sometimes that sort of ends the conversation. And I think that if you, for example, have a banana that have traveled overseas for three or four weeks on a boat, mm -hmm. then being sort of matured at a special warehouse in, in south of Sweden to then be distributed to a food shop or a market or a restaurant, And then someone says it's too spotted or, and then to say that, well, it goes to biogas. I don't think that's very efficient biogas. I think we need to, to learn more about how food is being produced, how long time it actually takes to produce it and to show food more respect. I think that's very important. What do you think is going wrong in, in the world we're living today? I think we have an economy based on oil, that really wants to just keep on doing what they've been doing for 50 years. There are quite quite strong forces that don't want to change. I know you all received a, um, kind of a leaflet from the government about crisis and war. Can you tell us about that? I think last summer, where not only Sweden, but parts of Europe as well, had a really, really dry summer, and farmers could see sort of 50% decrease in crop that raised some awareness as well, even though the, the plan for the leaflet was sort of planned before that, it raised some awareness that we, we might not have everything every day of the year. And now, for example, it was on the news that the electricity in, in two really big countries went totally out. I think it was it Brazil and Argentina or And that sort of explains how vulnerable our systems really are. The two countries went, went black. It's crazy. We, we can't even imagine that. We turn on the light. We turn on the coffee machine in the morning. We go to the fridge. We open it up and see what we have. And do you feel it's changing? Do you think we reached a tipping point? You can see all the companies speaking about the global sustainability goals and having CSR strategies. Yes and no, I would say. Still, many are taking baby steps, not the big sort of leaps. So there's a lot to be done. As I mentioned, companies that say that they, they don't even have food waste because they're 
sending it to, to become biogas. So there's still that kind of level at different companies. Of course, they won't change anything because they don't even see the problem. And what do you think could, could make them really change? Laws could do that, as we've seen in France and other countries. could also be uh, demands on being more transparent. And also, if competitors are doing something, taking lead, doing something better than we do, then again, when you talk about the brand, you take about being able to employ the best people and, and so on. So it sort of follows that, but someone needs to, to dare take lead. What is your advice to us as consumer, each person individually? Um, sometimes people feel that discouraged because it's a drop in the ocean and, and they don't do anything altogether. <laughs> I would say there's different levels depending on who you are as a person. But the easiest, absolutely easiest thing you can do, uh, no matter if it's regarding food waste or plastic or energy or transport, just ask. Ask a question to your restaurant or to your food store or to your online shop. How do you transport or how do you package? Start to, to ask questions because it doesn't cost anything to ask a question. You might not get a good answer today, but if many people start asking questions in areas or matters that they feel passionate or interested in, then companies will sort of get it from employees that, wow, we get a lot of questions about plastic. We need to have a good answer. Okay, so what should we answer? Uh, and then companies tend to, okay, we need to be able to give a good answer because we want to look good then I think we could see change quite fast without using that much energy or money or, or, or anything. Where do you get your energy from when you lose faith? <laughs> oh, I lose faith every other day. I would say it's my family. It's my kids. I was feeling quite drained and empty the other week and said to my family that, oh, this is too hard. I can't do it anymore. I, I need to get a proper job with a proper salary and, and all that comes with it. And then my, my oldest son uh, says to me, well, mommy, do you know that you give the world hope? Of course, you continue. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can't stop that. I, I want to thank you for your time in your very busy schedule. And I wish you all the best for Food Loops. It was very nice meeting you. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice meeting you too. Thanks a lot to Edina Ronson Base for this conversation. And thank you all for listening. Stockholm Food Movement is an independent podcast. You can support it by sharing or adding five stars on iTunes so more people can discover it. Check out also when the next meetup is taking place at the Impact Hub. <laughs>